Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing Chris's problems with builders. Chris, tell us about your builders. Uh, well, so we're having our um, porch sort of uh, rebuilt at the moment, um, and it's a fairly small space. Uh, and um, one critical element of a porch is that you can get in and out via a door. Definitely. Uh, and um, there have been substantial problems with the door. So uh, the um, it's like a bespoke door fitted for our space, and you know we we picked it from a range of all kinds of different doors uh and when it turned up um the the hinge and the lock were on the wrong the wrong side of Mm. the door Mm. uh so that obviously wasn't gonna gonna work um and then they reordered it uh and it turned up and um it didn't pass quality assurance so they had to send it back again and then the third time it was supposed to turn up it was it was problematic and then there were issues to do with the flooring and so on and so forth there's small fairly small building project uh but um a number of uh a number of issues with it and it got me thinking you know whenever you talk to anybody about um building projects uh virtually never have have I, you know, has somebody been having an extension done or something? And you say, how's it going? And they say, swimmingly, actually. It got it got done ahead of time and, uh, and everything went perfectly. Um, it, always people mention some sort of snag, some problem with, with the builders. And it, it, it made me start thinking, why, why are builders not very reliable why is there this this phenomenon in this country of the the cowboy builder and what is it about building uh that that means that's able to exist and these companies don't sort of just instantly go out of business okay um yeah no that's that's good there's all sorts of things i can yeah i can see us going on to all sorts of things here um yeah, basically, we're going to slug off builders for the next twenty minutes, was I? Yeah, um, well, like not just builders. I mean, tradesmen of all kinds. So let's. Yeah. I, I've got, I've got my own. I mean, we've just in the last year had two situations. One with the uh, we wanted someone to sort out the gutters and get moss off the roof, and they seemed quite plausible. You know, they came around and they did such a bad job. The gutter fell off after they'd gone, and there was no getting hold of them. Um, the uh, uh, the the rendering that they'd put on the on the chimney breast was uh, really sloppy someone as we had to get someone else in to come take it all off and put it put it back again in a nice way um and you know and then then we had this issue with our downstairs toilet and the people who came originally you know it's what started out as replacing the um the macerator uh it ended up being you know pulling the wall out and having to replace tubes and now the bath doesn't drain properly downstairs it's just was it clogged with moss um it (laughs) exactly well and uh I mean, the thing there's that. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of the Flanders and Swan song, "The Gas Man Cometh." It's highly recommended. It's a two minute long comic comic song, absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, kind of just basically the the gas man comes and then uh, the gas man takes the uh, takes the skirting boards off, so he has to call the carpenter, and then the carpenter goes through a electricity wire, and then he has to, you know, and and um, that you know that was you know must have been forty fifty years ago uh, that they wrote that, and it's still true today. You know, uh, it is just every single time you have a, any kind of um, you know, tradesmen mm. in. There's a really high probability that it's going to go wrong. 
well, that doesn't happen with, you know, green grocers. It doesn't happen with picture framers. It just, why does it always happen with, you know, tradesmen? So That's what um, we want to talk about. Before we seek to answer that question, apparently within the trades, there's a hierarchy as well. Um, and right at the bottom, apparently, are plumbers. Um, oh, okay. As you would have experienced. Well, it's interesting because I've got some data here about, um, according to the, well, according to the Federation of Master Builders, uh, who are keen, in fact, to try and obviously to stamp out um uh, cowboy rogue builders. Cowboyism. Uh, they, they, fifty-five percent of people have had a bad experience with a rogue builder, which seems to me low. Uh, surprised the yeah. other forty-five percent must have never had building work done. Yeah. Um, but which, according to a witch survey, uh, the uh, there's really strong disparity between how trusted tradespeople are. Right. So at the very top uh, are electricians. They're say, 80, electricians. Yeah, eighty yeah. percent trusted. Mm. Right at the bottom, roofers, forty-eight percent mm. trusted. Mm. So that's a significant difference. I don't know exactly how they're measuring this, but and then you know, so at the top you've got electricians, central heating guys, plumbers, carpenters. At the bottom it's roofers, drain and sewer services, builders, and kitchen fitters. If Peter were here, he would tell you about his experience with kitchen fitters who fit everything in, who put everything into his new kitchen. Uh, wonky, mm. you know, there were gaps between things where there shouldn't have been gaps. Um, so yeah, so I think what we want to do is 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 this just random? Is it just, you know, randomly these these uh, trades happen to have got cultures which are sloppy or highly professional? Or are there features, fundamental features of those kinds of trades that mean that actually it, it makes sense that we get rogue traders? Sure. You know? I mean, certainly from the list that you read out there, um, th- um, there is some stuff that leaps to mind immediately. Mm. Um to do really with uh, knowledge, experience, and uh, qualifications and training, um, expertise essentially. But anyway, before we sort of go into that, let's ask answer the question because also I think what, what one of the things we mentioned um, in our preparation uh, discussions for this was greengrocers. You don't get um, you don't get cowboy greengrocers. You don't get no, cowboy accountants. You don't get cowboy lawyers or well, uh, well, yeah. you, I mean. <laughs> But 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 there are there are trades that are are respected and and generally trusted yeah. and there are ones that that are not. Yeah. So let's answer this then. So Chris, have a crack at it. Why do we get cowboy builders? Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I've got I've got a number of factors that I think are important. So if you it, like, I was thinking. Okay. So you, I mean, you were talking a little bit about um, kind of levels of of qualification. Uh, but I, I don't think I, I don't think it's necessarily um, that that issue. Uh, I think one of the factors, because if you look at sort of comparable comparable trades that people of a similar kind of educational background might might go into, like, like something like um, you know uh, being a, a greengrocer or uh, you know hairdressing, something like that. Um, those are those are trades that you that you would have a, a sort of faith in and I, and I was thinking about okay I, I was like making a list of a, a bunch of trades and I think that the the key thing seemed to be the regularity with which you you engage them so a hairdresser you go back to you know a, a greengrocer on a weekly basis you might go and do your your shopping there and on each occasion the transaction you're making is relatively small uh, and um, you know, with builders, you might only have builders in every five or ten years or something like that, and it's a big transaction. And and, and so I think there's something something about that that it is um, that 
they're not going to have to come back and look you in the face again. But so that they've only got one interaction with you and they're getting a large amount of money for it. And it probably makes sense to have a strategy or, or at least it, it encourages a strategy of not being not being very good, but fooling the person and, and taking the big pot of money. Um, so that's one one factor. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's harder to um, it, your rep. It's, it's, it's harder to track reputation um because of the small numbers of interactions uh yeah and i think the so there's that there's those things the traders who come to you are going to be harder to track than someone who's got a shop in the high street and actually you know when you think about trades in the high street um the the trade which is traditionally regarded as the dodgiest which would be a second-hand car salesman uh you know notably has a very low setup cost typically you know has a hut in a parking lot you know and and so you actually that begins to make sense you think well um the the more expensive your footprint is um you know the the more you are going to have to rely on doing a good job um i think there's something else here. i think i think we're making good headway in this already mm. there's another thing which i'm sure you've already thought of but um it's knowledge of the product or service that you're receiving so let's say you're going to grow a green grocery you're buying some apples and stuff um, and also the immediacy of, of, of what you're getting. So you, you, most people know a bad apple when they see one. I, as soon as I saw Nick, I knew. Yeah, you know. right. But <laughs> as soon as you see a bad fruit, you can you know immediately. And you either don't buy it or you just, if you've already yeah. bought it, you go we're somewhere evolved, else. We're evolved to spot that. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, whereas if it's something like building, we actually don't really know what it is necessarily. And we trust that these people know what they're doing. Um, and also it's more invasive. It's usually yeah. in our home mm. place. It's a higher cost. Um, so, uh, uh, and I think um, you know one of the things that I got a bit a bit of an insight into um, uh, when Nick was talking about the the hierarchy within the trades themselves uh, is that at the top of that were electricians and central heat uh, central heating people. Both of those things um, carry an, an element of danger to them so you know if your electrics gets wired up wrong or your gas gets uh you know sort of um connected up wrong they they can have lethal consequences as, as can poor building work but generally you know um it's much easier to to create lethal effect in those two two areas and so they're highly certified but but you know also the consequences of getting it wrong is not just you know a roof leaks it's somebody dies and you'd be prosecuted so so i think that's important and when you were saying about um uh you know we don't know much about building gen generally you know sort of middle class academic types you know haven't spent time working out how to plaster a wall or something uh so it's it's unknown to us but i think you could say the same of um of the medical profession, for example, most people we take that we take their word for it. But again, there's that that issue of significant consequence of of the advice, the the service um, being 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 wrong, and so there is some regulation process. There's you know, some high lots of barriers to entry. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and by the way, just going back to this thing about the unknown, going back to what we find in the high street. So your example of a car dealership. Or even let's say a mechanic, a garage. Similarly, we're dealing with stuff we don't really know about. We kind of have to trust the people. Yeah, this um, is this. Is, so that so uh, information information asymmetry uh, check multiple types of people check. It's a signalling issue, and the uh, this is very close. I think what we're talking to talking about 
to the original, the very first um, thing that was that was discussed in signaling theory, which was in the seventies, um, uh, by Akalov, who wrote a paper, very famous short economic paper called the um, uh, the market for lemons. And he said, you know, this is the, and he was looking at, you know, situations where a market could break down because of information asymmetry, where you have, um, you know, either good cars or bad cars. And it might be that, you know, people who own good cars want to sell them for £2,000, um, but they're indistinguishable from bad cars, which are worth nothing. Um, so people who are buying cars wouldn't be prepared to pay more than £1,000. For a car, so the market would break down. There would be no price at which the market could clear because um, the sellers wouldn't sell for anything less than two thousand pounds, and the buyers uh, would not be prepared to pay that much because they can't tell if it's a good or a bad car. And so you, you and and um, in fact, that does uh, it, that does seem to be the case in in the context of building work, at least according to the Federation of Master Builders. That um, there's they they reckon ten billion pounds of building work is not done each year because um, because because people are concerned about getting uh, rogue tradesmen in, um, and if you look, so if you look at um, the kinds of things we've been talking about, you know the whole point about signals and signalling theory is that a signal needs to be expensive for uh, bad types and uh, relatively easy for good types. So things like certification, you know, you can't if you can't get a certification if your car is is crap you can't get a certification if you're not you know got to got to be qualified as a doctor and that takes years um you know if you're no good at medicine uh you can't do that or it's very very hard for you to do that to sort of fake it and and actually when you th- have that framework to look at these things it all begins to make sense right so and and i think not just so it's 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 not just economic cost financial cost but what do you need to be a roofer you know, a ladder and a bag of tools probably cost about 100 quid at most. What do you need to be an electrician or a central heating engineer? Well, you're going to need uh, uh, stuff that costs a bit more than that. You know, the equipment's more expensive. So to, if you decided you want to bluff your way as an electrician, well, it's more expensive than bluffing your way as a roofer. But also, also what I would time call time and effort and commitment over a sustained period. Right. And well. I would call and I also what I think you referred to earlier, what I call the sort of bullshit factor, which is how easy is it to bullshit that you know something about roofing compared to bullshitting that you know something about central heating? Well, I, I think it's probably much easier to bullshit roofing knowledge. Um, so so I think it's sort of I think we're edging towards some explanations for this, you know, and. Yeah. Okay. So, look, have we done it? Is that it? I mean, we've got well, five minutes to I, go. I was gonna, I was gonna speak in defence of uh, builders. Um, uh, the workers' and, friend. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and say, well, you know, perhaps as an element about the task itself and our expectations about the task that mean. Uh, actually, they're just as competent as other, you know, say um, a builder may be as competent as an electrician in their respective trades. Um, but, you know, uh, um, being an electrician is an easier job to uh, deliver sort of 100% against, you know, perhaps the, the something about the way, um, elect, you know, electrical systems are generally structured that follows a particular pattern. And it's a it's a less complex job. When you turn up to a house to do something, it's very difficult to know exactly what the job is going to entail you know all of our houses in in this country are all hodgepodges you know it's it's apparently a lot easier for builders to build a house from scratch than it is to start messing around with an existing uh, existing mm. house and there may be some element of um complexity and our lack of understanding about 
what it is realistic to expect uh, in, in you know in the performance of a builder that means we're constantly disappointed it's not that they're doing a bad job it's just we think it should be perfect and perfect is uh, you know um, not within reach yeah but I want to go on the attack again with yeah, builders no you, you don't we, have to push very hard <laughs> yeah I think also one of the things it's a self-selecting thing as well so the type of person who can become an electrician um, who has to go through this training and it takes quite a long time it's expensive to do that uh, the type of person who does that has to be let's say organized committed etc methodical and methodical and have yeah. some sort of um reasonable sort of and good intelligence at and good at maths etc whereas to become um let's say just a, a laborer um, with all respect to our laborer listeners um there's very little, as we've said, there's very little barrier to entry. So it can be the sort of person who can just sort of, you know, just get out of bed and just go and do it, really. And they can often, in my experience, these people can often be a bit lazy, disorganized, a bit thick, um, you know, without sounding too judgmental. So, so therefore, when it actually comes to the job, they, they tend to be the sort of people who are quite unreliable as well. Well, I think that's... Just putting that's it out there. Almost real sort of, I mean, that's a way of rephrasing the idea of it being, you know, signals doing their job really you know if if the harder it is to do to to sort of um you know acquire i mean i mean having having accreditation does not by itself or you know having um uh having spent four years studying something or whatever or you know le- learning a trade for 10 years or whatever they those things by themselves don't make you good right just by themselves um but they're signals that you uh, are good you know and they're hard for people who are crap you know, whether they're crap because they're disorganized or unprofessional or whatever, they're just hard for people like that to do. Mm. So it works. It works as a signal yeah. uh, to as a, a to create, you know, what's known as a separating equilibrium. And when you get down at the bottom end of your roofers and your builders, uh, they're just at the moment, at least, isn't a signal that is functioning to separate those people. So we have what's known as a pooling equilibrium where you just can't tell the difference and you have to you're basically taking a gamble. Um, okay. So, yeah, I do wonder if we ought to talk about possible responses, what we might be able to do about well, this. We can do. We've not got a huge amount of time, but Chris? Uh, well, I was just going to say so, something that sort of backs up uh, your th- theory Fraser is if you um I was looking at surveys of least trusted professions in this in this country and builders are number 5 on the list with uh, uh 14% of people trusting builders um so and I bet you can guess the the four professions that are less trusted politicians that, politicians journalists bankers journalists uh, and come on the obvious lawyers one. Second-hand no, car salesman, no, economists. No, no, you're getting there though. You're getting there. Um, estate agents. Estate, estate agents, agents. Exactly of right. So everybody knows what these least trusted <laughs> professions are. But in many ways, what you were saying about you can just turn up and do them. Those are by and large professions, and perhaps with the exception of uh, uh, journalism, are professions. You know, a you politician. What 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 qualifications do you require? What startup costs? Oh is come there to on, be a politician? you've got to, you've got to put in a lot of effort to get elected into a into even a council or something. No, I mean, you don't need um, knowledge um, of, or training in a particular area. I I'm not sure this is quite on the same footing because you know everyone says, oh yeah, you mustn't trust journalists, but the fact is everyone consumes news. And it's and, mainly and do, reliable. Yeah. You know, we do actually trust journalists and we do actually trust estate agents. I've never heard of anyone who's had a rogue estate agent. Yeah, but look, you know, I think, I, I, I think it's, it's more like people, yeah, these are people we find a little bit slimy and unpleasant rather yeah. than people we do actually don't this trust. Is a, this is cowboyism versus uh, integrity, I guess. Yeah. And there's, there's an overlap. 
but um but with this it's just we don't trust that these people are honest um look if, if we do want to sort of suggest something as to well what can we do having established why we get cowboys builders if we want to say anything you've got to do it quickly okay well i i would say um you know that well what choosing one i mean choose, choose uh, uh you word know but mouth. it will be what about word of mouth yeah word of mouth is perfect because it's very hard to get to fake word of mouth right yeah. so that's a brilliant way of doing it the problem is every builder i know who's ever been recommended through word of mouth is booked up for the next 10 years right um so there's there's you know but but that yes obviously if it's not urgent then that's that's the best the best thing you can do and that makes sense and um you, you know the, also if a builder has established premises if you can go to them you know, mm. if you know where they are, you can go to them and talk to them. Um, uh, then, you know, that's that's also a good sign. Um, but but I think I think the problem here and one of the things the Federation of Master Builders wants to bring in is that there isn't licensing for, for some of these, you know, um, professions. And they want they want that they want builders to be licensed. And then, of course, if that happens, great. You know, it, and, and so, you know, you look at these other industries that ought to be affected. They have some of the same characteristics. So so things like law, um, you know, healthcare, um, even things like expensive consumer goods, you know, or, or, or luxury goods where they're expensive one off purchases where there isn't very much, uh, you know, information about them. Um, the responses that those uh, those sorts of areas have actually, you know, are licensing and accreditation and and expensive, um, you know, expensive footprints. Yeah, well, I, I, I think um, p- part of it is simply our cultural acceptance of crap builders. And, um, uh, you know, when we had uh, sort of um, when various Eastern European countries joined the e- the EU and we had an influx of tradesmen from other other countries, I think a lot of people found that they got better service from tradespeople who had trained and worked in in other countries than ones that worked here and you know i mean if i'm i'm sure that german builders for example that the germans don't walk around going oh our builders are, are, are terrible so i think i think we just simply go oh well builders they're crap aren't, aren't they you yeah. know we should we should really be more sort of aggressive in in um in in searching around and if if there's a builder who's booked up then we should there should be some mechanism for either them expanding their their business rapidly or you just simply outbidding the person whose work they're already doing which in itself would create a miss a, a, you know a, a, a lack of trust but you can't you can't really push the prices up you only seem to get people who who have got a waiting list of yeah the market yeah, yeah, yeah. basically this information asymmetry has buggered up the market and i think you know that's that's why uh you know when possibly when we get movement on things like accreditation you know it could all could all change suddenly we might be living in a paradise of really reliable builders there we go well-built homes um i just want to finish off on something something we are good at in the uk and something that nick touched upon earlier that i want to come back to is comedy records okay yeah um, where are they why yeah, don't, don't we get comic don't get songs them so anymore. much anymore got a lot in the 60s 70s 80s not so much now right so fred so this is what i wanted to ask you what is your favorite comedy record i have two um but you're only allowed one um but one of them which we'll say for all of us is right said fred right with bernie cribbins i think it was fantastic very I, catchy i, I, I thought he Love might be it. referring to the band right said fred no. <laughs> who also did comedy they did what were close they to comedy records i'm yeah, too not sexy far off yeah you know yeah it but was... i know i love that right and it's perfect for our podcast right i mean right it's just fantastic song if anyone's not listened to it heard it who's listening 
go, go yeah google right said fred with yeah Bernie yeah Phoenix, um with builders and the whole building falling down but i um i'll, I'll tell you my favorite one uh which is you couldn't quite call it a novelty because there is a vein of novelty records but this is not quite that it would actually be um from peter cook and dudley moore um yeah. and dudley moore um he does a song which is um uh someone's falling from a building about to jump jump it's called jump i think right yeah where someone's going to jump commit suicide no sorry no the the sorry the the house is burning down and someone's doesn't know what to do. Do you know? Are you familiar with this? Oh, no, I don't know. Song, no. Oh wow! Oh, it's I do like Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, but um... it's brilliant. So I recommend it. Anyway, it's about it's a, it's a song that's about one minute long, about someone who's gonna who's thinking of jumping from a burning building. It's just brilliant. So that's my favourite comedy record. Um, what about you guys? Uh, well, for me, I mentioned Flanders and Swan earlier. I do like the Gas Man Cometh. It's short and sweet. I think my favourite song by them. Uh, is called Twenty Tons of TNT, and it's and it's actually an anti-nuclear war song, which is surprising, I think, uh, from um, someone like Flanders and Swan. Um, but it, but it's it's a kind of very light, jaunty uh, song based around the idea that everyone in the world there's enough nuclear weapons so that everyone in the world has effectively twenty tons worth of TNT allocated to them. <laughs> and it's and it's because it is so sort of light and breezy the song. It's so chilling. It's just, I think, better than any kind of angst-ridden anti-war song yeah. uh, could ever be. So, yeah, I, I would put that at the top. It's superb. Very good. Chris, are you looking perplexed? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm drawing a bit of a blank. Is it? Is it uh, My Boomerang Won't Come Back by Charlie Drake? Great song. Uh, what's, that, um, what's that one about Bernard Cribbins digging a hole? Uh, yeah, I can't. I, that just rings a bell. I'm digging it here because I don't want it there. That one. Yeah, to be honest, I have to say I'm not really a fan of comedy songs. I, I, you're part of the problem I, then. You're, yeah. you're why, you're why you don't get them anymore. Yeah, I can that's see right. you possibly as a sort of Tom Lehrer guy. Um, yeah, I just, I just find whenever, whenever they got to that bit in in a sketch show or whatever where they, you know, they drew out the piano, and I always used to think these are never, they're never actually funny. Um, so I'm afraid I'm, I'm. Don't worry, we shall allocate one to you. Yeah. We'll allocate a spitting image, the chicken song. What was it called? The chicken chicken song. Is that what it was called? Hold a chicken in the air. There we go. All right, Um, we'll wrap up there. Um, Thank you, as always, uh, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer. We've been here with Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. (laughs) 